Hey, 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 welcome back to the Rifles Only Accuracy Podcast. This is Jacob. Just wanted to get back on here and keep going with the quantity and the quality of the podcast. And today we have definitely upped the quality. With us today is Jaden Miller from XLR Industries. Say hello, Jaden. Guys, I thank you, Jacob, for having me on today. Man, thanks for thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. I know that you're busy and everything else. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Where are you where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you come from? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm from uh, Western Colorado. I grew up probably about an hour and a half from Grand Junction, where XLR is at. Um, grew up out there just doing a bunch of hunting, a um, little bit of shooting. I really didn't do too much. I played a lot of sports in high school and stuff like that. And so whenever the end of high school came around and I was starting to look at what I was going to be doing, it was kind of whether play college baseball or that's that was kind of the initial plan. And then I found a Trinidad gunsmithing. So mm-hmm. down there in Trinidad, Colorado. So rolled in there and then ended up getting into that. And so went down there for two years and completed my associate's degree down there. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved back home, I uh, got a hold of XLR. I was already shooting one of their chassis, but got a hold of them and they had a sales position open. So that's when I joined the team down there. I've been there for, for two years now. So okay. really enjoy it. How old are you? I'm 23. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yep. Well, well, cool, man. Well, that sounds like it's a, it's been a pretty good start, you know, gunsmithing. And then now at XLR, uh, how, tell me about XLR. When did XLR start? Yeah. So XLR, they, uh, they started in 2010. And okay. So Kyle started, started it just out of his garage. Um, it was one of those, he was like, you know what? I think I can do this. And I think it can be a little innovative compared to all the big millions of manners and all the stocks out there. So he was like, I think I can do it. And so he started out of his garage. Um, it was funny. I was listening to you guys talking to the Thunder Beast guys and how they were saying we could do one. I think it was one a week or something like that. But that's what Kyle always told, told us was if he could do one a week, he was going to be pretty happy. And obviously it's going to be a lot bigger than that now. So it's pretty pretty cool. Well, do you do y'all still have some of the uh, some of the original chassis that y'all did back then? Uh, he does. He it's pretty cool. He keeps a lot of the the first runs that we do of all the chassis. He mm-hmm. keeps those in his office, so he has a pretty good collection in there. So it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, I remember the the there was some one guy over here in Texas was building was building aluminum chassis. It was like the the first ones and. Um, you know, this is, this is well before then. And it was kind of weird because I had a, a class come up earlier this year and one of those old, old, old ones showed up as a rock solid. Do you remember those? Have you seen them? I, I, it was probably before I was even, even in the picture. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. Definitely was no question about it, but you know, he was making them, you know, just one by one. And I'm sure that that's, that's the way XLR started. And, and, and what, is, how is the process of making a chassis, changed for xlr from the beginning in 2011 and then now yeah so i mean they when they first started making them a lot of the processes were done on the on the manual uh mill mm-hmm. and so whenever they were going it was it uh they said it took forever to build just a single chassis and so they started out and they were only doing the actual chassis block um, whenever they were machining it and then they had round four ends on all the original ones. So mm-hmm. there wasn't much that went into it mm-hmm. and 
just the amount of time it took them to build those compared to what we're doing now and integrating the forend and and all the different skeletonized cuts and m-lock slots and arca rails and and all that it's it's all changed so much but we've gotten so much so much quicker with it and more efficient that it's really changed over the years well i can imagine well what and i ask this a lot um let's say that we go in we show up at xlr and i've got this block of magnesium or or whatever we're going to make it out of aluminum what would the time frame be from just this block of metal to a product that's ready to go out and be painted Ooh, that would uh that's a tough one you're probably you're probably looking at about an hour in the CNC machine for it to go through the entire process. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't count going through deburring, quality control. We have a few different quality control processes where we're going through and checking, making sure the inlet's going to be stress free, and all that. But I would say probably whenever you're whenever it's headed out the door to go to coating, you're probably two to two and a half hours into it. Okay. Okay, so we're going from a week to two and a half hours. Yeah. And and back then, you were just doing the blocks. So, I mean, there's a lot more exactly. cuts going on now with M-Lock and everything else that's, that's new. Exactly. And I mean, there's a lot of a lot more cuts that go into it that just, they they look a lot nicer now. I mean, yep. they're a lot, lot more professional looking now, too. So, there's there's a lot that goes into it. It's pretty crazy. Just whenever we're, whenever we do come out with new products like the C6 that we came out with last year. Um, just seeing the process from when when they start writing the programs for it to, all right, we got this one done. We got to tweak this thing. And then it takes them a couple hours to do that. And then we find other small tweaks that we have to make. It's it's pr- it's a pretty big process. But once it's all set up, it runs pretty smooth. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sure y'all are y'all are running more than one machine. So how, like, how many how many chassis can y'all produce in, in say, a week's time? Um, it kind of depends on depends on what we're doing. We like to do them in as big a lots as possible, but we don't want just chassis sitting around. So inlets like the Howlas and um, peak of long actions, like those are kind of our, our slower moving inlets. But mm-hmm. when we're we're doing the Remington 700s, we'll do oh, we'll probably do a hundred a week, okay, twenty week. Okay, all right. Well, that sounds good. And, and it, Go ahead. Just a little bit. Because we're doing trigger guards and and accessories and stuff like that so i I don't know if there's really any given week where all we're doing is chassis on all the machines right right well that's good well y'all i noticed i know that y'all have done chassis you there's a carbon uh, aluminum magnesium um what does the difference what's the difference between the aluminum and the magnesium or is this just a weight savings thing it is. Yeah, it's just a weight savings thing. So on the on the element 4.0 aluminum to the magnesium, you're going to save about six ounces there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I mean, since I guess I should back up a little bit, obviously, when when we started, it was more for the tactical side of things and the long range shooting. And then they did a lot of the, the big boomer chassis for the BMGs. Right. And so once they once they transitioned over to PRS, um, we started getting heavier and heavier chassis. And that was when Matt came in and, and Matt's a pretty big uh, hunter. And so he's like, you know what? I think we could do this and do it really well for the hunting market. So that was where we transitioned over into like the element 4.0 and 4.0 magnesium that we're doing now. Mm-hmm. And so now the it's not just the chassis blocks with them being magnesium. 
You also have a pretty big weight saving on the TR2s to the carbon butt stock. You're saving about, uh, I think it's 13 ounces you're saving there. And then all the hunters are loving the folding stocks too, because they can fold it and put it in their pack. So it, it all, as a, as a package, it saves a lot of weight, whatever you're, you're going to these lightweight components. Okay. Yeah. And then I, you know, you still have, you still have, someone has that and they want to put weights on it. They can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's the, that's the good part is the, the, the chassis systems, they're modular too. And so with, with all these NRL hunter matches coming around, some guys might go out there and shoot open heavy and they'll swap their butt stock over to a, a TR2 or C6 and they'll throw some weights on it, throw some weights at the fore end and then on the um, outside of the fore end also. And and they'll weight it up a little bit for the competition or if they wanted to shoot open light, they could still still keep it the lighter setup. Right. So it's a pretty modular system. We're seeing a lot of the... It, it's hard because I feel like a lot of hunters, they... They aren't as familiar with what we're doing in the PRS shooting. And and so it's finally starting to come down where they're really utilizing the arc rail and and they're waiting up their rifles during the summer so they can get a little more proficient behind their rifles, a little more comfortable behind their rifles. And then when hunt season comes around, they pull the weights off and they have a lightweight rifle that they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And so y'all are y'all yeah. are doing y'all are doing all kinds, y'all are doing bases. Are, are y'all doing these rings too that I'm seeing on your website? Um, we're, we're not doing those. No, okay. we have, we have a company that does those for us. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I'd say, I'd say 90% of the parts that we make, we actually make, mm-hmm. um, we have, we have a few different, different suppliers that we work with, um, for a few of our accessories, but most of the stuff we do make like all the way down to the trigger guards, um, QD adapters, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And y'all are doing, y'all are doing like, uh, the thumb rests and stuff like that as well too. Yeah. No, nice, nice. Well, I was uh, going through here, and you know, a, a really good friend of mine is Jake Vibbert, and uh, mm-hmm. he's been shooting y'all stuff for a long time. Yeah, and pretty successfully too. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he won a couple matches. Yeah, I think so. He's yeah, he he did. I don't. I think it was I don't know, three or four, something like that. But just yeah. to say this, but that's good. But it looks like y'all have a y'all have a pretty uh, eclectic group of shooters that are, are using your stuff in the, in the competition side of the house. Um, you know, Andy and Dorgan and you know Jacob and all. You got a bunch, uh, and so that's I, I, the reason I wanted. I know that you know I, I have a couple of y'all chassis too on a hunting gun, and because I was looking for the the super lightweight stuff. But I go in here and I'm looking at this. <clears throat> you know, you're really supporting this community. You know, you've supported. You're supporting matches. You know, y'all are putting stuff on the prize table. Y'all have always been very generous to us as well. Whenever we conduct the brawl, and that's much appreciated. Um, but as you're moving through there. And you're seeing what do you see that the competition shooters are asking for, you know, in a chassis that you guys can directly address? Because I know that you have a history of doing that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the the Envy Pro, it has been around for a while. But when we when we look at the chassis and the features that it offers, it's kind of hard to update it because we still feel like the features are still being, being utilized and they're, it's one of the best chassis on the market um, for using it in PRS. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the, what we're seeing now, it's, it's hard because I feel like the, the PRS shooting, it's, it's kind of regional. I feel like some of the East coast guys, they have a little bit different props they're shooting off of and stuff like that compared to what we're shooting off at cameo where you might be shooting off a rock that's sitting at a 
30, 45 degree angle. And so you have to get a little more, a little more cant out of your bag mm-hmm. compared to what they're doing so when they're shooting off a few more of the barricades. And obviously they have boxes over there too, but, um, so that's the, that's the hard part. And, and even the chassis, I feel like they're a little more regional, but the overall, the overall chassis system, um, I feel like is it's done very well, especially like the Envy Pro sideways. That's a big feature that a lot of guys, a lot of the PRS shooters are using on their chassis because you get that little bit of extra width and it, it just sits in a bag really well. So that's, that's definitely something that one of the accessories that has really been utilized, but the new one's going to be the C6 buttstock. Um, all the, pretty much all the competition shooters that, that I shoot with are using it now. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the toolless adjustability, it, it's nice. And, and it was definitely one of those where we were like, do we really need it? No, but a lot of guys were asking for it. And a lot of guys have really loved it. Like I, I, once I set mine, I leave it. So it didn't matter to me, Right. but there's been a lot of guys like, Oh, I love it. Love every part of it. And so the, the biggest part that I really, really like about the C6 compared to the TR2 butt stock is the, the cheek rest. Um, it's got a little bit of cast on, on it. So you can actually cast it to the side. And it, it really helps me get a good sight picture when you're in those funky positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we just quickly, then you can get it back where you need it. If you've got to go, you know, support side or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, very cool. Well, another way that I've noticed that you guys are, are helping the community is a uh, contingency plan. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, That's we- interesting. Yeah. So I actually, that's something that it, there hasn't been that many guys that have really utilized that. Mm-hmm. And this year we're seeing it a lot, especially with the NRL hunter guys. Um, they've really been doing well in the NRL hunter. The elements have, mm-hmm. um, there's been a few guys still, but yeah, no, we've been, we've been putting some, putting some contingency payouts out there. Uh, it's all credit now. So what it is, let me pull up the actual payouts, but so if you're shooting a, a PRS, NRL hunter or a competition dynamics match first place you get $500 in store credit second place is $250 in store credit and third place is $100 in store credit so it really helps those guys out that are using the product we want to the guys that are supporting us out there in the field we want to give back to them so that was kind of the thought process behind it And, and there's been a lot of guys utilizing it this year well good good yeah yeah, it sounds like a, another way to to uh, you know market, and then in in the same vein of the marketing, you know, you're doing something good for the for the shooters out there as well. So that's that's really nice. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's like I said, it's one of those we want to give back to those guys that are that are helping us out. So well, it's good. a good thing. Well, um, y'all, are, you're located in Grand Junction. We are, yes, sir. Okay, and so then uh, Cameo is out there, just uh, real close to that, or is it closer to Rifle? Nope. Nope. It's closer to us. We're okay. the shop. Actually, it's about, we're about 20 minutes from cameo. Okay. What, what was the, the, the thing that happened was, I guess it was about a year ago there when people going out there with, uh, you know, magazines that were over capacity and stuff like that. Didn't something happen with cameo? Yeah. I mean, there was, there was definitely some talk about it. So I, I run the local club mm-hmm. and so we were, we were kind of in the middle of it and, and I don't know, it was one of those where I don't know if it kind of just went around us or what we never, we never had to sign anything or anything along those lines. Obviously there was a lot of guys talking about it. Um, and they, they shut down that NRL hunter match 
but it was one of those where I never seen it. We haven't had any issues with it um, recently. What was it exactly? What was it exactly? What was the deal? So the the beautiful folks in in eastern Colorado decided that we can't have mags that are over fifteen rounds, I believe it is, mm-hmm. and so they were they were needing a petition that basically just said none of the shooters are going to be using anything over fifteen rounds. Yep. And so it didn't really it doesn't affect us because nobody I don't know anybody that runs a a fifteen or twenty round mag. I guess it would be over fifteen, but even a twenty round mag in any of the arrow hunters or PRS or any of those. Right. So it's one of the, it could affect us as much. Um, if, if you call the office, I'm sure they could explain it a little better for you, but I think it affected the, the three gun guys a little more than us. Um, there's a, there's a pretty big three gun crowd and, and pistol shooting crowd around there. So. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I didn't know. I didn't know exactly what it was, other than the fact that if someone showed up there with you know their regular you know twenty or thirty round magazines, that they had to have a receipt showing that they bought it in a different state or something. That's that's kind of the the thirty thousand foot view that I was understood what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and when when you would show up, so, so like when I go down there on just a normal day when I'm not shooting with the club, they would ask you, "Hey, are you shooting any rounds that are over fifteen rounds?" Nope. Okay, sounds good. It wasn't. It wasn't like you were you were signing your life away that you didn't have any round or bags that were over fifteen rounds. Yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous, man. It's it's ridiculous. More and more and more, it seems like that. Uh, oh t- yeah, yeah. They they get you any way they can. That's for sure. Yeah. They always they always want to make hard on everybody. Yeah, I hear you. Well, going through here, I, I was looking, you know, through the the website again, and there's there's a there's one section in here over underneath uh, the about, and it's team XLR, and then a gallery and videos contingency program, and then there's the news section, and I was going through that, and there is a lot of really good information in that news section. Going back, uh, I think I went, I think I got back to 2018 so far. Um, yeah, but that's uh, I noticed that you 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 have a lot of stuff that you've written in there. And then, you know, it's talking about your company and the different things that are going on. But there's also some stuff in here about, you know, choosing ammo and things like that. Um, one of the things that I noticed, that I think you wrote this and I feel exactly the same way. But whenever I'm checking my ammo, um, it seems like everybody gets hung up on standard deviation and mm-hmm. you don't neither do i <laughs> it's kind of like yep. it's the extreme spread and you put a you know you put a good explanation of why you know what what a difference in 20 feet per second is going to do for you you know at 500 yards and you know that we know that, yes. that that will be a difference i've taken it a little bit further than that you know especially whenever you know going out and, and hunting you know at longer ranges and it's kind of um if you know what your extreme spread is it's kind of like you can figure out one of the, the bullet is going to be at least in this area vertically. And so it kind of makes a decision on whether or not you've got um, enough ethical backing, you know, knowing that you can hit it, but just making sure that that bullet's not going to be outside of the kill zone in an animal. I, I, I haven't heard many people that feel that way. I mean, I've always felt that way, but I haven't heard many people that feel that way. Where did you come up with that? Um, I, to be honest with you, it was just one of those, it, it just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I've always been. I always, you always get your SD and, and guys, guys always talk about their SDs, but for me, it's all right. What's, what's my ammo going to do on those outer limits? That's, that's where I want to know. And, and if, if I have an S and I don't think this would ever happen, but if you have an SD of 
10 and then you have a ES of 80. Well, that doesn't matter. That's not, that's not something I'm going to go take to a competition and shoot mm-hmm. just because my ES might be tight. My ES, I'm going to be throwing one shot high or one shot low. And, and that could be the determining factor whenever you're at those matches. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was why I went with that. And then I, and then I heard you reference the kind of the energy thresholds. I, I did one on that a little while back on, on when guys are shooting animals and stuff like that. I think that's, that's definitely been one that there's been some talk about now that we're going smaller and smaller in calibers um, for hunting calibers. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you're on rock slide or, or sniper's hide or, or any of those, it, it seems like every day there's a new post. Will the six, five Creed kill an elk or will six, five PRC work for elk? And it's like, guys just run the numbers. I mean, the, the DOW Colorado DOW does a decent job at, at setting energy thresholds mm-hmm. for, for how much energy you need to kill an elk. And, and I don't know how accurate it is. Um, I'm sure you could go lower than that. I'm sure you could, you could still have some issues if you were higher than that. I mean, it all comes down to shot placement, but so yeah, when I did agreed. that, I, I, those numbers. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. That, that's one of the things that, that really bothers me about it. It's, it, it's like the, your extreme spread is going to dictate where, if you have, you know, the high likelihood of putting a bullet in the heart, you know what I mean? And so last yeah. year, last year I killed an elk with a six millimeter Creedmoor and it was just, it, it died right there. But you know, the, if you put a hole in the heart and the lungs, they're going to die. And I think that whenever people start talking about energy thresholds and things, you, you can, you can go down that rabbit hole a little bit too far as well, because you got guys out there that are, you know, hunting elk, you know, with, uh, uh, a longbow and they're successful and there's not a lot of energy there. What they're doing is they're, they're cutting up the heart and that's, what's causing the animal to die. So yeah, yeah, I think it gets kind of strange. I, I, I believe in that energy threshold, you know, to a degree, but then on the other side, other side of it, <clears throat> I, whenever I was a kid, I watched a video of Fred bear kill an elephant with a bow and it's kind of like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, like you said, it all comes down to where you're hitting the animals too, because I I've seen a lot of shoot. I, I go out to the local range here and, and, and I'll see a lot of shooters that they, they throw one shot on a, on a big circle target, a big, six eight inch circle target they hit that target and they're like oh yeah we're good to go i'm like dude i mean you might be at that 100 yards but i would reach out there any further than that so yeah guys make guys go down the rabbit hole way too far on stuff that doesn't matter so it, it, it makes me laugh for sure <laughs> yeah i had written something years ago about that you know you get these guys that are hunting and they go out and they put a pie plate and they've got you know um, three out of five rounds hit the pie plate, not in any sort of, you know, <laughs> consistency. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good to go. We're good to go. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm really glad that the average shot for a white-tailed deer in Texas is running about 80 yards. Cause otherwise it's, yeah, it's really not going to work out too well for you. Cause, and then the other thing too, was that, you know, getting up a little bit too much. I know that a, a real, real popular white-tail cartridge in our region you know, just historically has been the seven millimeter Magnum. And it's kind of like, Oh my God, you, you know, you better hit it with enough gun because if that 108 pound whitetail gets upset with you, you know, he's going to come and attack you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hit him with a big enough bullet. And it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah it's pretty pulled him inside out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, was kind of funny. We were up there and I, I, had a, a four, I got a, a elk with a 4570, but the first animal I shot with a 4570 was a whitetail. And it was kind of like, Jacob, that was just, I mean, come on, that's just way, way, way too much gun. <laughs> yep. 
Yep, I shot I shot a seven mag forever, and, yep. and that was that was all that I used. And finally, I I started going smaller and smaller and smaller. A couple of years ago, I shot an elk at way too far with my six creed, but I was I went out there. I, it was a late season cow tag, mm-hmm. and I knew that I I knew that, that rifle was shooting good because I've been shooting PRS competitions with it, and yeah. we weren't going to hike around with it, so it didn't matter. And so. Just laid down, shot it, dropped it right away. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can. How many, how many elk have been shot with a two forty three out there? I mean, oh, there's, God. there's a lot of. Well, we have a we have an animal that's down here in South Texas called a. It's an Indian blue bull. It's called a nil guy. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't, well, if you ever get a chance to hunt one, do it. Uh, one, the meat's fantastic, <clears throat> and two, that's what I, yeah, the meat is the meat is great, and, but two you know, they're, they're really going to test your skills. And I mean, I've, I've seen those, you know, I've shot them before and they've dropped in their tracks and I've shot them and they've gone, oh, I don't know, uh, 200 yards. And then when they finally die, you go and their heart is gone. I mean, it's, it's not theirs. How did that animal move so much? And I know that elk are the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like the hard part up here too, in the, cause we're, we're next to the Grand Mesa and I, there's so much room where you can take these further shots and, and the elk can see from so far away. So I feel like that's really, it's really been pushing how far guys are willing to shoot mm-hmm. and, and how much, tra- I mean, how much training people are, are wanting to put into it, but there's still a lot of guys that are taking shots that are further than I would like to see for the amount of shooting that they do every year. I always, there's so many podcasts out there anymore and guys will talk about, yeah, you're shooting too far. It's like, meh. Is it really too far, or, or have you just not shot enough to realize how comfortable you can be shooting an elk at seven hundred yards? Oh yeah, I'm with, I, I'm with you. I've done it too. You know, my my furthest my furthest kill on an animal is a little mm, over fifteen hundred, and it's kind of like okay. So if I is a, a feral hog, but at any rate, you know, it, it's kind of some one of those days. I'll go out there and I'll kind of I'll kind of, sometimes if the conditions are right, that ethical shot is nine hundred yards. And you go out the yep. next day and the conditions have changed so much, you know, and down here we're on the coast, so it's not uncommon for the wind to blow 35 miles an hour. <clears throat> so then that yeah. ethical shot, you know, well, okay, now we're not, we're not at that eight, 900 yard range anymore. Now we're in the, you know, the three to 400 and, you know, maybe even closer than that, you know, so you, it's, it's like a totality of the, of the situation. And it's not so much that, you know, you're really going to worry about, you know, okay, can can I hit the animal? But that's not the point. I mean, not the po- point is not for the animal to suffer. What I'm saying is, can mm-hmm. I hit the heart of that animal? And if the answer is yep. yes, under those conditions, then okay. But, you know, you go to a, a different area to where you you have, you know, some really tricky wind conditions that you're just not familiar with. And it's, it, you you have to make that decision. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that anything is ever too far, provided the whoever's pulling the trigger has something going on upstairs to dictate whether or not they can make that shot on that day. Yeah, no, hundred hundred percent. I I feel like there's there's so much that goes into it once you we reach past that six hundred yard shot to where like even even just running hard dope and you're you're getting a difference in wind direction and so you're getting a little bit of aerodynamic jump and you're you're running the wrong density altitude when you ran your dope so. I, I feel like if guys don't have the correct equipment, it's it becomes a lot harder, and that's where it gets the bad rep. Is these guys that are that are making shots that they shouldn't be because they really just don't know 
that that has an effect on the bullet downrange. Now they there's stuff that they're doing they don't know that they don't know. You know what I mean? Yep. It's it's worse than that. And the the unfortunate part is there's more of them than there are of us. And so it's kind of yep. you know you get out there and you yeah. uh, wonder how many of those how many of those animals are you know like scarred for life or whatever the case may be. I don't know. Call me an animal lover. I am. I, they're tasty, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to hurt one either. Yep. You know, it's kind of yeah, <clears throat> kind of crazy. Well, it, yeah. Matt and I talk about it all the time. The more the more shooting that we do, the less we feel like we know. Oh God, we'll try doing it for over two decades. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> it's still exactly the same. It's still exactly the same. But like I said, that's what makes it fun and exciting. You know, it's it's very cool. I like yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. It, so you're a fan of that Six Creed as well, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. I love the Six Creed. I've I've actually been uh, toying around the idea of building a, a 16 inch for a deer rifle and, and just using that as my deer rifle for for now on. I've, I'm shooting 6.5 PRC right now for my elk gun. We shot we shot a 315 bow last year at 680 yards with some 147s and mm -hmm. and it did everything it needed to standing up off the tripod. So that was kind of it was kind of that was my mom's tag and it, she doesn't do much shooting but it was her first realization of of why we shoot the rifles that we do and the chassis that we do and and how all that equipment really benefits you while you're in the field oh god absolutely absolutely well let me uh let me ask you a, a, a kind of i find it fun to talk to you because you're you have a little bit of that hunting background as well what what's your what scope yeah. are you using um, I'm, ooh, I am a scope hater <laughs> and I've had way many scopes go down on me. So right now I've actually been shooting the, the Burris XTR pro uh -huh. and I shoot that for PRS. And I know that if it works for me for PRS, I, I just throw it on my hunting rifle. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm 43. So I'm willing to carry a little bit of extra weight during the, during hunting season. So that's what I'm using right now. And I, I love it. It's been working out great for me. Trigger. Uh, I'm running a trigger tech special two stage. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan of trigger tech and I like their, uh, I like their semi-auto trigger too. I, there's a video on the internet somewhere where I've, I've got the trigger mechanism and I'm, I'm operating it, the trigger tech one and yeah. I'm pouring sand onto it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just kept on functioning, man. It was a really, really nice trigger. I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. a fan of the trigger tech. That's for sure. Yeah. I've ran trigger tech forever and I just, I just swapped over to their two stage last week before the king of coal mm -hmm. and i was like because i i've had a bad issue with trigger press and slapping the trigger a little bit so i'm trying to trying to get that solved and um i was like yeah you know what i'm gonna try a two-stage and so I, i've really been liking it so far and, and hopefully it, it ends up helping a little bit well if you have a problem with trigger control i know a guy who has a school and a taser we can sort that out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most of my job is sorting out triggers and trigger press and trigger slap and trigger crush and all that kind of shit. So yeah, I know exactly what it, you're talking about. I've been working on it for two years and I'm still struggling with it. I do really <laughs> well. And then when I start shooting the match, I'm like, what is going on here? Well, it's like I always That's say, definitely. what are the, what are the three words that makes every, every match competitor forget everything they know about the fundamentals time starts now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, all that all that practice that you did, you just get throw it throw it over your shoulder because you're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, cool deal. Well, I would I would recommend you know if you are if you are doing that, the the taser is is a valuable tool you know to get you to pay attention to your trigger. It it just takes a yep. couple of rides and and you'll you'll sort your trigger out. I promise. 
Really? Yeah, Yeah, you just got to find somebody that'll 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 sit there and watch and make sure they know what they're doing, too, because you might do it right and you still get hit with the taser. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, what's uh, what's coming up in the future for XLR? Um, I mean, right now, the biggest thing right now is our our lead time. We're really, really, really focusing on getting the lead time down. What is your lead time? We're. Well, we were last month, we were at a 25 to 30 week. We just dropped it to a 20 to 25 week. So we're starting to get a little better. Um, We're really, our our main focus is to get it down to like a 10 week lead time. And then that way we can keep some of the models in stock, like all the, all the 700s that are the the normal colors. We'd like to be shipping those out the same day or Mm -hmm. or the same week at least. So it's, it's a lot of work to do. COVID really hit us as far as the magnesium goes. And so it really slowed down. But we're we're starting to recover from it, and then I mean the the precision rifles are they're just getting more and more popular every day, and so um, demand is is super high right now too. But we're we're getting down. Well, how, how are you all, then, how are y'all accomplishing that? Or did you are you got more people, more machines, uh, longer hours, more shifts? What what's what's going, what are y'all doing to to get those things reduced? More machines, more yeah. machines is our biggest. Just we we're. It, it's hard because we're, I mean, we're, I would say we're a little short staffed. It seems like a lot of guys don't want to work right now. And so finding the, finding the good operators, we have a really good crew right now. And so they're, they're really working hard. And so even when we add new machines they they can kind of, they're kind of self running. And so they can run all those at the same time. So that's really helped us out. Um, we've added a few new machines. We added, I think one when I first started, which was two years ago. And then we just added another one too. And so they're, and they're big machines. They're, they're pretty quick machines. So that's really helped us out. Well, good, good. That's good to hear, man. I'm, yep. I'm glad that I am. I'm like, I know you've heard me say it before, but I'm a huge fan of capitalism. And if y'all are getting new machines and I know that those things, they don't give them away. So I'm happy that you guys are able to do that. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate it. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to keep going and, and hopefully come out with some new products here soon too. We don't really have have too much in the work, but I'm sure there'll be something here pretty soon. That'll be pretty cool. <laughs> well, good deal. Good deal. Well, we're, yeah. we're getting ready. We're, we're getting ready to do our, uh, yearly trip out to Colorado. We, we train over in Fort Collins and, um, I'm thinking that we might take a trip over West. I know I want to, I want to go to Telluride this year. And so, uh, I know that I can't, I don't think I can get from Fort Collins to Telluride without going through Grand Junction. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, you could, but it would be tough. It would take you a lot longer. So, yeah. yeah, if you're if you ever question, stop by, stop by the shop, and we'll we'll give you a tour. Yeah, you man, look around, and that to goes straight to it. Yeah, I mean, we always have guys call before hunt season, and they're like, "Hey, do you mind if we stop by the shop?" And no, stop by. We'll give you a tour. We'll show you around. We'll talk with you. Talk about hunting. Keeps me off the computer for a little bit, so I always like it. That is good. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Yeah, I need to, the thing about it is it seems like we're more and more these these days we're connected to our computers and it's it's nice to be able to to unplug it a little bit. It, it is, yeah. I always I always love when guys stop by and we can do a little little BS and during the workday I always always love it and it's always cool to show guys around the shop. It's it's a it's a pretty cool facility too. It's just seeing all the different processes. So well, cool man. 
Well, yeah. sir, I I want again. I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down and visit with me. Um, like, and uh, again, I want to thank you know the XLR for what the products you're doing, and then also the way y'all are giving back to the community. You got all these these sponsored shooters out there that are doing really good, and and this contingency plan is awesome. I love that. I I had never thought of that, but that's just a great way, you know, to kill two stones with one bird. And uh, man, I I just um. I, we, you guys have supported us for years during our matches and stuff like that. They're always putting stuff on the table. We appreciate it. I know the shooters appreciate it whenever it's on the table. It damn sure doesn't last very long. It's gone pretty quick. Yeah, no. And, and yeah, no, thank you. We always, we always appreciate when match directors uh, show some appreciation. It's there. There's a lot of them that just kind of expect it now. So yeah. anytime we, we have directors uh, reach out to us and, and show some appreciation, it really inclines us to, to really support them and maybe send you guys more stuff. So we appreciate that. Well, you should be getting some emails from the competitors too, because we, we always give out emails to the people who sponsor and urge them to, you know, send, send those thank you notes and stuff like that. And if they're coming here at rifles only, I think, I think a lot of them do. So I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a few. And I always, that's the same thing. I always tell guys whenever I'm running matches too, is reach out to those sponsors. I mean, the, the sponsors in the, in the community, they're, they're really, and not just us. I mean, there's, there's so many good companies out there that are supporting the, the matches and, and all these different matches. We get three, four five emails a week on, on different matches. And, and yep. so it's pretty hard to really know where to throw your budget at and, and really what to focus on and how it's going to have the most impact, whether it's going to the new shooters or the experienced shooters and all that. So um, definitely always reach out to those guys because I think it's really good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, how's y'all's weather weather up there? Y'all warming up yet? We are. We are. It's it's been good golfing weather lately. So nice. We're up to I bet we're up to forty already this morning and and it'll get up to seventy or probably eighty today. Uh nice, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. I I would I would kill for eighty degrees. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I was packing some steel around on Wednesday, and it it was hot. I was like, "Oh gosh, we need to cool down a little bit." <laughs> uh, man, we we might we might go to blows when we're talking about what's really hot. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's why. Why do you think we're in Colorado all of June? It's just too hot down here. That's why. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I I live I live an hour and a half from Grand Junction up on the mountains, so I'm I'm all the way up there, and it's real nice up here. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Jaden, thanks again for taking the time. I appreciate it. Let me outro this and then uh, hang on with me and we'll visit a little bit afterwards here. But uh, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, XLR Industries, I Googled them, came up with their website. Very, very interesting website. I spent quite a bit of time on their news section. It was it was really good. A lot of good information in there about the shooters, about the products, about ammunition. And it goes back several years. I'm still going to be messing with that. But give these guys a call if you need a chassis. They look like they'll be able to set you up in a hurry. Uh, check out the courses in June and check out www.riflesonly.com for any of your swag needs. Catch you guys later. <laughs> <laughs>